Loving God, raise up our hearts. Enlighten our lives that we may see your risen life set before us, even in the wilderness places of your world. Amen. This may be the first time this has ever been said in this church, but if you're a gamer, I'm about to speak your language. I wonder if you've ever had an epic win. According to the Urban Dictionary, a classy online publication I discovered this week, an epic win is an incredible success so fantastic that long poems will be written about it in the future. You may have written one for yourself. Epic wins are also what computer game players, all 1.8 billion of them, live for as they strive to achieve that high score, reach that unreachable level, defeat that impossible opponent, not merely victories or successes or personal triumphs. They are epic, worthy of stories being told about them in years to come. Well, this may shock some of you, but the original epic win was well before Nintendo or Sony entered the scene, and was, according to ancient Greek historian Herodotus, how gaming entered the world. As the story goes, some two and a half thousand years ago, the kingdom of Lydia experienced a period of about 20 years of severe famine. Hunger led to widespread illness and conflict, and before too long it became clear that the kingdom faced an existential threat. As Herodotus relays it, the king happened upon a remarkable solution. Dice games played with sheep knuckles, probably not available in Toys R Us, (laughs) and a kingdom-wide policy that on one day everybody would eat, and on the next, everybody would play games. Apparently, the people of Lydia became so immersed in the games they were playing that they managed to largely ignore the fact that they had had no food to eat, which, incidentally, is exactly what happens to my own kids when they play computer games. (laughs) Good to know nothing much has changed. Anyway, according to Herodotus, the Lydians passed 18 years this way. The famine, however, persisted. So the king decided that they would play one final dice game. They divided the entire kingdom in half. The winners of the game would leave Lydia in search of a new place to live, leaving behind just enough people to survive on the resources that were available. With those who departed, hoping to take their civilization somewhere else where they could thrive. It sounds a bit like a B-movie from the 80s starring David Hasselhoff, but actually... There's strong enough evidence to suggest that this is exactly what happened. That an entire civilization was saved by playing games with sheep knuckles. They gamed the future and won, not just a little. Playing games had saved their lives and the lives of their descendants. This win was indeed epic. 
I owe this story to Jane McGonigal, who works at the Institute for the Future in Palo Alto, California. You might think, where else could a place like that be? Uh, And I tell it because much like uh, I believe the evidence around us would suggest that our global village today is in need of some epic winds of its own. From the climate crisis to our deep and abiding addiction to violence, we are facing challenges that are so systematic and seemingly intractable in nature that we too will need to strive for solutions that stories will be told about for years to come. Well, we're Episcopalians, we know all about epic winds. And if you are a reader of the Bible, you'll know that it is indeed part for the course for our tradition. It's one long catalog of epic winds, the liberation of the Hebrew slaves from the bondage of Egypt, not just by a quiet departure in the night, but by the way of plagues in the parting sea. The great characters of the Bible also share in common their tenacious ability to overcome the most challenging of circumstances, to respond to God's call on their lives. Joseph, the brother who is sold by his brothers only to later save them from starvation. Esther, who beats the men of the palace in a game of wits, thus saving her people from destruction. Jesus, who claims the most epic win of all, beating even death, rising again from the grave on the third day and rising among us in each of the dark places of suffering and enmity in our world. Epic wings are the stories we teach our children. Life out of death, light out of darkness, it's our daily bread. Yet epic winds don't just happen. They require something of the people striving for them. And it is here that Jane McGonigal's work of studying computer gamers proves most useful. Now, you may have some stereotypes of people who play computer games. You may even be married to one of them. People who don't see much daylight or sleep. The kind of people you might think twice about watching your kids, but who are already watching us via the NSA. (laughs) Yet for Jane McGonagall, there's a series of characteristics that she says as powerful and deeply hopeful for the life ahead of us. When she watches computer gamers, she sees a blissful productivity. When have you ever put those two words together in your working life? A blissful productivity productivity, taking delight in hard and challenging tasks, a persistent tenacity, an urgent kind of optimism and purpose, and because so many computer games are now multiplayer, an ability to weave together a tight social fabric across vastly disparate social backgrounds. Yet above all of these mindsets of the gamer is the sense of urgency people have when they see that the future is still for the taking. This is the secret source of people who strive. They have the capacity to trust in what is beyond their immediate vision. And on this uh, Legacy Sunday, it is much like our own story here on this block, 
You may well know that in 1901, the Peters family gifted a small parcel of land for us to build this beautiful church building, which we are blessed to worship in today. Well, prior to that gift of land, the Peters' vision for this edge of town was that a beautiful garden of flowing waters would cascade down from the corner of what is now West Peachtree and North Avenue and on past the homes that would be built below. And that vision for a sanctuary in the city never came to fruition, of course, yet ours did. And because of that, flowing waters still run down this block. But now they are waters of God's abundance that have poured forth from this community for over a century. And with our help, we'll do so for a century to come. Decade after decade, the saints on this block have chosen to trust God to step into a future, the fullness of which was not in plain sight. It was the tenacity, an urgent hope, an enduring social fabric of this church that saw all saints' journey through the struggle for civil rights, the AIDS crisis, and the growth to becoming a more diverse church where all genders and sexual orientations could claim a place at our communion table on both sides of the altar rail. What is at stake for us now as we look to the future is no less than our challenge to leave a legacy to those who will follow us here in following Jesus. Yet as we know, the paradigm is changing. In many ways, Jesus exercised in disruptive leadership in the Jerusalem temple was little more than a prophetic action to awaken the people of his time that the paradigm before them was radically changing too. Yes, the merchants needed to get a clue that their proclivity for sales was getting in the way of what really mattered for an abundant life. Not what they could accumulate, but who they were as the beloved children of God. The real shift, though, is indicated in our gospel reading today in Jesus' prophetic word that the temple would be destroyed and then rebuilt in three days. As the gospel writer makes clear, the reference is not to the building, but to Jesus. No longer should the faithful look to a place to find the divine life they should look to a risen presence that is to be found everywhere. For post the resurrection, there simply is no tie to Jesus being limited to place and time. The risen Jesus is to be found where his urgent hope and tenacious goodness find him. Our work as legacy builders in this place is simple. We must go out and seek him where he is to be found. In many respects, then, the game for followers of this Jesus have not really changed the 2,000 years since that temple encounter. God has gone ahead. To find God in the city, to find the divine life woven into the fabric of the lives that surround us will require of us in the post-Christendom age to come, to have something of a gamer's spirit. There is so much to be excited 
about the future before us. There is so much that is of lasting and deep value and worth that happens here on the beautiful block of buildings and grounds we enjoy, a legacy whose riches we cherish and seek to steward well for the next generation of saints. Yet there is a far greater legacy that we are called to leave within the lives of the people of the city all saints serves. A legacy gift of grace that our abiding presence on this block, this century, nourishes and prepares us for. Those lives, transformed by the amazing grace of God that we have come to know in Christ Jesus, is our epic win our legacy for the world. The mission of the church needs your tenacity and hope, your commitment to the challenge and your love for one another. Jesus is turning tables over in the temple of a world long forgetful of his blissful productivity. Let's go out into that world and give him a hand.